Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, Kevin talks insurance for government contractors with Rick Roman from Gulf Coast Underwriters. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit SkywayACQ.com to learn more. All right, let's get started with Kevin and Rick. Government contractors need sometimes a little bit more or sometimes just a little bit different insurance. So I've asked my friend Rick Roman to talk through some of the insurance elements that apply to government contracting. So the way I get this started, Rick, give me an intro on, on you and, and how you got into insurance for government contractors especially. Yeah, good afternoon, Kevin. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. I started out in the insurance industry about 35 years ago and had a client of mine win a government contract and called me and said, hey, we need to get this, this special coverage that I, I had not heard of before. It was Defense-Based Act coverage. So I had to, get, uh, had to do my homework and find out um, how to underwrite it and how to get it for them and how to negotiate it and how to get the best price. And from there, we, uh, we were able to deliver a, a, um, a great product for them at a great price. And they, uh, they turned us on to other contractors, government contractors. And 20 years later, here we are specializing in this, in this type of, of insurance for government contractors. Well, that's a great example of, of the, what, what do they say? You're, when you diversify, let your customers lead you. And so that's exactly what happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> your, your customers <laughs> led you down this path and yeah, 20 years later, your guru's in it. And that's actually how, how you and I met as a, as a defense exactly. industry. Exactly. Running, yeah. Well, years ago, crazy. We would be remiss if we didn't actually introduce some FAR elements to this. So FAR 28301 is the policy around insurance. FAR 28.3 is, is a whole subsection about insurance. There's a lot of nuances to this, but in a nutshell, it says the government requires any contractor subject to cost of, uh, cost accounting standards to obtain insurance. That's a niche. However, there's a whole other section that says, okay, whether or not you have that, but even outside of that, contractors are required by law in this regulation, I love this, to provide insurance for certain types of perils, workers' comp, et cetera, et cetera. And it's mandatory when commingling property type of operation, circumstances of ownership, or conditions of the contract makes it necessary to protect the government. You could drive a truck through that statement. It's like, just got to protect the government, right? And that's 28301B. So that's where this comes from. It's a fact of business. You got to have insurance. But for GovCon, for government contractors, it, it can be a little bit nuanced. So kind of talk me through the, 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 the basics of what you have to have and then what you probably also have to have as a government contractor. Yeah, and, and you're right. It can be a little bit of a nuance because a lot of insurance carriers or insurance companies, when they see you're doing work for the government, primarily for the government and, and uh, in that space, and especially for the Department of Defense, a lot of insurance companies will say, wait a minute, we, we're really not set up to do that type of business and they won't even quote it. You got to know which carriers to go to that are open, have an appetite for this business and are going to underwrite it and write the coverage at a decent price, at a good price to make sure that you're, you're staying within your, the law here that we just talked about. So government requires you to have five essential coverages, what, I'm, what we're seeing now. One of them, the first one is general liability, and that's going to cover bodily injury and, and property damage to others that might be, might be hurt or might have damage because of someone that works for you or something that your business did during the course of conducting the business. 
Along with that, the government requires you to have hired and non-owned auto coverage. Basically, what that is, a lot, what we see a lot of, a lot of companies that are, that are starting out, they probably don't have any vehicles that are titled in the name of their business. If they did, they'd have a commercial auto policy. Okay. Most folks have their, their, their autos or their cars titled in their own name. So the government says, look, if you're driving a vehicle, your vehicle, onto a government property or using it in the course of business for the government, we want it to have to be covered. If it gets to an accident and an attorney finds out that the business was being conducted for the government, they can actually go back and sue the government for that, not only you, but the government as well. So they require you to have commercial auto coverage, which we call hired and non-owned auto coverage. And it covers you or any, any of your employees while out driving around in the course of doing business for your company and for the government at the same time. So those are those are the, the, the first the first section. We usually bundle those together: the general liability and the hired non-owned auto coverage in one policy. So so let me get this straight. When I was a contracting officer, and and contractors would drive their own cars onto the base to come see me for whatever reason under a contract, they were covered by this insurance that I had no idea existed. Correct. It's it's it's, it's an essential coverage that the government requires you to have. We all of our customers have it. So what other types of insurance are required? You said there are five of them. Well, depending on what you're doing for the, com- for, for the government, if you're doing just basic work, um, let's say you're building a, um, a, a small building on, on a base, then that's, that, that would be general liability. But let's say you're doing more detailed work. You're, you're, you're drafting the plans or doing the engineering for that building. It requires um, you know, more, more, more involvement from your company as far as expertise they will require you to have professional liability uh, in addition to the general liability. And professional liability is, is basically errors and emissions insurance. So that covers if, let's say, a calculation is wrong or a mistake is made during the design of the building or, or construction of the building, and it turns out it was, it was the plans were off, then the, the, the professional liability policy will respond to an incident like that. We also see it for intelligence analysts. If they, if, let's say, they interpret a report incorrectly, and it causes something to happen that that was wasn't designed to happen, the professional liability would respond to any allegation against the company for an incident like that. And I never thought about that happening with a, with an intel analyst. But I mean, that's a that is a position that's there's a lot of contractors that do that kind of work. So it would make sense to have have that kind of coverage. You still have the basic stuff like the workers' comp and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, workers' comp is they, they still require you to have, to carry workers' comp. Now, there, there's two types. There's domestic, and while, while your employees are working here in the United States, it's workers' comp compensation insurance, and this is, this can be tricky for defense contractors or government contractors because sometimes your contracts are all over the place. So, and this is where we see some contractors get in trouble because they'll pick a carrier that may only write in two or three states, right, coverage, and then they just bid and want a contract in, say, Idaho, mm-hmm. and their carrier that they have for their workers' comp doesn't write in Idaho. Idaho. So uh, they have to go out and get a new policy for that or, uh, or just get another policy in addition to the one that they're carrying now. So we, we, we make sure we do for our customers is we or we make sure they have a, a policy that has an, a national footprint. So no matter where they go, they're going to be covered for workers' compensation. Workers' compensation is going to cover any bodily injury or, uh, to any employees, including death, while they're working for you and for the government. And it's different by state. So state of Florida has different rules than the state of California. 
almost every state has different rules on how it's set up, when you need it, and so forth, and how it works. I just had a contractor call me yesterday with employees in the state of Washington that they just got a contract on. And the state of Washington is a monopolistic state, meaning that the workers' compensation there is included in your payroll taxes. It's not a separate policy that we write. And then the other side of that, if, if for employees going overseas, your workers' comp's not going to cover them there. But if they're going to overseas and working on a military base, then they're required to have Defense Base Act coverage, which is essentially it's workers' compensation for overseas military bases. It works exactly the same. It covers bodily injury for any employees while they're working on the base. This is tricky, though, because where domestically each state sets the rates for workers' comp insurance. So it's all statutory, but except by the state of Florida here where we live, the, the state at the, each year, each January, they come out with the rates for workers' comp for each classification, workers' classification, and that's the rate. We can't do anything to change it other than maybe offering a dividend from an, from an insurance company. But it's completely different with defense, defense-based that coverage. That is totally negotiable. And any chance, if, 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 if your, your customers do get or have defense-based contracts, where they need DBA coverage. They need to be shopping that with different carriers each year because I've seen, I've been doing this for you know, 20, 20 plus years in this space and in DBA coverage, and I'll see carriers get really aggressive with, with prices, and then I'll see them get really conservative and, and, and raise prices dramatically because of what they've experienced over the past year or two in their, in their book of business. So we, booked, we, we had a client that was paying $22 per hundred in Afghanistan for pilots. And we were able to shop it and get it down to sixteen dollars per hundred. That's a big gap. That's driven by the ri- by the risk that the carrier has basically been enduring that that drives their their particular rates up. Is that what what regulates it effectively? Yeah, yeah. We we had an issue for a while. A lot of carriers had an issue with mechanics in in the in, in the um, Middle Eastern theater in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, where you know we there were a lot of claims coming in, and then everybody started to creep their rates up. And then the other thing that's a part of that, that you know, the other risk element is where you're working. Like we had you know a couple of customers that send employees into Yemen last year, and that's an automatic major increase in in price pricing because of the, the, the factor that it's risky to go there. Yemen, Syria, there's, there's four or five countries over there where you're going to pay a premium, an extra amount that just to have employees there, regardless of what they're doing, it's going to be a minimum price to have people in that theater. And it's driven by the, the, okay, by the location and by the risk that the companies have taken on or by the, by the underwriters. Interesting. So it's, it's always a moving target. So you'd almost have to update it every time you, you go to renew, like every time you go to Every, every time you bid or just even every year to manage your costs? Every year, every year. So if, 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 if you're not doing that now, and a lot of companies, they'll just, they'll get the bill in and they'll just pay it because a lot of <laughs> Which times- Which is how I do workers' comp. I just get the bill and pay it. So yeah, it's, no, it's, right. I, it's not the same thing. But yeah, if you treat DBA the same way, you're, you could be getting soaked and not even know it. Wow. Right, exactly. Because it's, it's cha- it changes every single year. If you're not looking at it, like you said, you could be- pricing yourself out of the market by just not asking, hey, what, what, what else is out there? So, so what other issues are, apply to when you're OCONUS, when you're outside of the continental United States? You're required to have DBA coverage. Um, there's also some other optional coverages you, you want to look at when you're sending employees overseas. And, and one of the most important ones being global health insurance coverage. 
And this is this is often gets overlooked by employers because they, they win their contract and the officer, contracting officer says you got to have this DBA coverage and they get it. And that's great. And now they send their employees over there. What happens if somebody gets sick and it's not work-related? If you're on a domestic health insurance plan, it works so much different than a global health insurance plan. Almost all domestic health insurance plans require you, if you're overseas, to pay whatever your expenses, medical expenses you have, and then submit it back to the carrier for reimbursement. Uh, and sometimes those, those numbers can be huge. I had a, a business owner call me at four o'clock in the morning a few years ago that had a, an employee at Kandahar in Afghanistan that had a stroke and it wasn't working at the time. He was off duty and they were going to airlift him to a, the hospital in Germany. And the airlift company, the medical transportation company wanted a $65,000 guaranteed payment from the business owner to, to transport him. And had he been wow. on a domestic policy, he had to, he would have to pay that with a credit card or pay it himself. But because we had him on a global health plan, you know, the United Healthcare Global was it had a contract with that carrier, and it was covered 100% zero out of pocket costs to, to the company and to the employee. And that's a terrifying thing to think about when you have a stroke and you're overseas, and just like when it happens here, the last thing you want to think about is your insurance. But if the doctor says, "Yeah, I can't help you," so you write me a sixty-five thousand dollar check, that's that's an unnerving event, to say the least. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's why I got the call at four in the morning. And, it, and it's not just a, a dramatic event like that. It's just regular stuff, If you like a regular office visit. They, they want to get paid. They want to get paid right when the services are rendered. It's, it's, there's going to be none of this, you know, hey, we're going to submit it to the carrier and then wait for reimbursement. They want to get paid. So yeah. all of the global plans pay directly, the direct benefit directly to the provider, Zero out of pocket pocket costs for the employer and the employee, and and see no one's telling none of the contractor, none of the uh, contracting officers. I don't think they mention that to folks, and they just think, oh, we have group health insurance, we can send our guys over. It doesn't work the same, and, I, and I've seen that happen so many times where it just costs people so much money out of pocket, and eventually they may or may not get reimbursed by the carrier, but it just you can avoid that simply by transferring to a global health insurance plan. And usually it's about 20 to 30% less than the domestic policy. So you're saving money and you're getting better coverage. So what other factors do we have to consider in, in, in what kind of coverage to have? We just covered the essentials. Another requirement that's coming in is cyber liability. It used to be an option that was now not more and more again, we're seeing the government require their contractors to carry it. And it's, it's, it's really an, an essential coverage now um, to have because it's, you don't know if you're going to, whenever you get hacked or if you do get hacked, uh, the policy responds uh, and, and pays for the mitigation of it. Or if there's any exposure to personal information, we'll uh, remedy that situation for whoever, whoever got exposed. And it also pay, pay, pay ransom, uh, ransom monies towards the, um, the hackers. So it's, it's, it's good coverage to have. We're seeing a creep up in the rates because we've, you've probably seen a lot of incidents in the news where, yep. you know, the, the, what's the one that recently, the gas pipeline that got hacked? Yep. Yeah. So it's, premiums are starting to rise, but they're still manageable. And uh, it's good coverage, good essential coverage to have. Yeah, and, and but for us, we actually got it through you guys because of that. It's not, not because of the pipeline, but just because we realized this is very, it's, it's very cost effective. And a lot of our business is online. We have a website that a lot of our customers log into. There's a lot of information out there. So yeah, it's, it's, let's, let's just be ahead of this. And 
relative to how expensive some insurance can be, it's actually not that bad. Not that bad. It's really, it's really priced uh, for, for the risk, for the exposure. It's, it's almost priced way cheap than, I, than I, you would think it would be. And then another coverage that, that's not required by the government that we, we consider essential and that we, we, we recommend all of our, co- our customers have is employer practices liability insurance. That, that covers employee on employee uh, incidents or employee towards employer incidents. So to give you an example, if you have, uh, we had an account here in, in town that I had to fire somebody and they did. And, and the, the employee that got fired came back and got, a, got an attorney and sued them for age, age discrimination, even though it was completely documented that, that the performance standards weren't met and there was failures all over the place and the employee lost his job because of performance, he still went and sued for age discrimination. And the employer has to defend himself in that lawsuit. There's no way you cannot respond to that. So that's where this coverage comes in. It covers any type of incident like that, age discrimination, sexual harassment, anything like that. We had a guy that, that, that went through a, a, a gender change and that his clearance with the government was when he was still a man. And so they denied him the position with the government on an intelligence position. And so he sued our employer <laughs> saying that sexual discrimination. Uh, gender discrimination. And uh, when it was not our employer's fault at all, between that and cyber insurance, we see those claims popping up more and more uh, as, as, as the years go by. It's, it's something, there's a lot of lawyers out there willing to sue for that. So those are basically the, like you said, employer on employee, employee on employee or employee on employer. So the interpersonal stuff that, 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 like the the law firms, like you said, <laughs> there's a couple, I won't name them because I'll probably get sued for naming them, but there's a couple of them here in Tampa that, that seems like that's all they do. So, okay. It's good to know there's insurance right. specifically for that problem. Yeah. And it's it really, it's, it's something you have to have. And then another, you know, we're going, jumping, jumping back to OCONUS, if you're sending people overseas again, you, obviously you have to have the DBA insurance, but there's a couple of other coverages to consider there as well that we always recommend. And that's kidnap and ransom coverage and critical incident response coverage. If, if you've got somebody, you've got an employee population overseas and there, hap- there happens to be political unrest where it's unsafe to be in country anymore, it c- there could be some additional costs that you, that you didn't plan for to get those employees out of country and kidnap and ransom coverage. If somebody gets kidnapped, obviously going to respond for that. That also, it'll, it'll respond to those extra costs and getting your employees out under under circ- extreme circumstances, these things you, you, you don't you don't think about it until it happens, and then once once it happens, you're glad you have the extra coverage. Well, I'm going to put on my contracting officer hat and, and kind of think through. Okay, it, this is not something I dealt with, as I mentioned before. When somebody drove their own car onto the base, I never thought about about how that was actually covered by insurance. But what really what the 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 important part to understand with with this type of of this type of insurance is there's some that are required. And there's some that are recommended, but they all have a cost. And, and that cost is going to show up either directly or indirectly in a contract. And it's easy to track or easier to track if you're flying somebody over to a specific location. And the like if they're going to Yemen, there's insurance premiums that kick in because they're going to Yemen. Okay, I could argue that's a direct cost. But there are other times that this just this is the cost of doing business. Do you feel like there are more insurance? requirements or they're they're more recommended levels you mentioned like some of these are becoming more popular is that a trend that you're seeing where people need more insurance to do this kind of work yeah i think i think i think that's you hit the nail right on the head there it's it's as as our world is changing as as risk changes in this world you know we never would have thought 15 years ago that 
that we'd have cyber liability insurance. Wow, that's um, point. and we have it now, and and now it's 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 commonplace. And I think I sold my I think I sold my first policy about ten years ago to a large healthcare organization that were and they were and the board was him hawing back and forth. Do we need it? Do we need it? Do we should we get it? And <laughs> you know, it, it, what, you guys are doing two hundred billion a year in revenue uh, with all this patient information. Yeah, you probably should have it. And it, there is a cost factor to it, as you said, and it's and some of it's not probably not going to be in re- reimbursed by the government, but. At that point, you're looking at it as, all right, you know, we got a, we got this business here that's doing well. What are we going to do to protect it in case something unforeseen happens? And that's where these 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 optional coverages come in. And the best advice I can give anybody is just you talk to your agent and 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 shop shop around. You know, have your agent shop around for you. There are a lot of different options out there for cyber insurance. A lot of different options for health insurance, for global health insurance, and work in that in that realm to keep the costs manageable. One of the things that hits me as a contracting officer, if, if I do a, a lowest price, technically acceptable contract, and it includes services, which I, I by the for the record, I highly, highly recommend people not do LPTA for services. But for example, if you did, and you were sending people to places where the insurance is more expensive, you're basically driving, and this is the stuff I didn't see as a contracting officer. So I'm raising my hand to, to clarify that I'm, I'm not showing off here. I'm, I'm making a realization by doing it as an LPTA, I'm driving people to cut costs, right? Well, one of the costs that they may cut is these type of optional insurances, which as we're discovering, weren't even on the menu, let alone required like 10 years ago or even five years ago. So the the perils of LPTA extend all the way into insurance because like you said, some of these are required, some of them are built in, but a lot of them, they're just really smart to have and they're not that expensive, but if they add 500 bucks to your cost and you lose by $14 because it's the lowest price, that, that's a ridiculous scenario to get into. But I, I would suspect it could happen pretty easily. So this, this is really helpful. Yeah. And sometimes it may be less expensive. Like we talked about on the global health insurance. Most folks aren't aware that that, that coverage is available through the, through the large carriers like United Healthcare, Aetna. They all have them, uh, Cigna. And, and they're all less expensive than the domestic plan. So what, we, what we've been able to do is show them, all right, you're taking 30 employees and you're sending them Oconus. You were paying 500 bucks an employee you know, for their health insurance. Now it's going to be 380 a month. Let's take that savings and let's add kidnap and ransom. Let's add you know, business travel accident. So your costs aren't going up, but you're way more protected than you were before and have much better coverage than you had before. That's a really good point. Everything is a strategy, <laughs> even insurance. <Yeah. laughs> so, so to recap, the, the, the insurance that everybody has to have is, is workers' comp, health insurance, uh, DBA if they're overseas. What else? The, the car general insurance? Liability, okay. General liability, uh, professional liability, depending on what they're doing. They're all going to have to have general liability and high not, higher to non auto coverage. Uh, we, we rarely see a government contract that doesn't require all, all those coverages, general liability if you're doing any type of detailed work or professional work, they're, they're, they're going to be professional liability. Those you have to have, workers' comp. And, and, and again, when you're looking at those coverages, think about where you're going to be working. Uh, think about what contracts you're going to be bidding on and, and, and make a decision and ask the question, does this carrier, will this carrier write this coverage in that state, in other states? Or am I limited, am I geographically restricting myself to, to, to a coverage footprint that doesn't, it's not going to satisfy where, with the, type of, the type of business I'm going after? So, uh, so my last question is, so does some of this stuff come down to like basically what you can afford? 
or or is a lot of it you said it's negotiable a lot like the dba is negotiable and it's just it's a matter of of your, your it sounds like you're squeezing a balloon to figure out what's the right structure so it, it, is it more complex than just you, you get car insurance because you have to have it yeah i think it comes down to to you know you look at the your the, the, the customer looks at their budget and says and says we, we've allocated you know two percent whatever towards uh, risk management insurance, and if, if if we know that, and we know that we know that's the number that we're working within, we can go back to the carrier and say, "Hey, look, they can't afford five thousand dollars. Can you do? Can, can you bring it into thirty eight hundred? And we do it all the time. Uh, we'll, we'll you know we'll, we'll bind the coverage, and we'll ask the client if we can get it done for thirty eight. Can you would would you bind it? Then I can I go back to the underwriter and say that. So my point is. You, you just you just, you just don't always have to take the first offer on the table. Sometimes you do. Sometimes if you're in a, you're in an environment, you've got an exposure that there's not going to be a whole lot of carriers lining up to insure it, and then you're stuck with whatever you get. And we have those situations that come up quite a bit. But a lot of times we have four, five, six different companies that are competing for the business, and you know, outside of workers' comp, a lot of that's negotiable, including general liability and cyber liability as well. How interesting. Well, and that's why I know that you guys did that with our cyber insurance. Uh, it was a matter of figuring out. Right. What, in fact, I think it went down by like 30% because you found us a better deal. So yeah, case in point. So I appreciate that. And they should be asking that of their agents to sh- make sure you're shopping this coverage and, 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 and explain that to them. We went to this market, this market, this market. We found a better deal here. Coverages are identical and you're saving 30%. Yeah, it's just awesome. Well, this is fun, Rick. So, so how do people find you and, and, and learn, learn more about Gulf Coast Underwriters? We're on the internet, uh, gcuins.com. It's our website address. My, my email address is rick at gcuins.com. We've been here doing this for 25 years in this space and here to answer questions. You don't have to buy insurance from us. Uh, if you just have any questions about anything, just give us a call. Give me a call or send me an email. Happy to help in any way I can and point you in the right direction. Or happy to help your current agent. If, you, if, you're, if, if you're dealing with an agent that, that's a little bit, doesn't know what they're doing, we're happy to help out. And we're happy to take the business either way. Awesome. Yeah. And it's a, this, it's somebody, somebody has to stumble into this, this fun world of government contract insurance. And so you started 20 years ago and there are a lot of people that are just figuring it out now. So uh, I hope that this episode helps some of those folks uh, avoid a, a lot of the pitfalls that you can cause yourself some absolutely. real pain if you mess them up. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. All right. Thanks, Rick. I will see you next time. All right, Kevin. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast, and thanks to our guest, Rick Roman. When you need help understanding where you need help, call on Skyway's team of former contracting officers. Visit SkywayACQ.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.